WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Comet. Boston Globe reporter and a buddy of mine from my days covering transportation in Philly, Jason Lachlan. Welcome to The Common. Thanks for having me on, Daryl. It's good to talk to you, man. All right. So, Jason, let's get into it because you have a very interesting story about a federal housing program that's designed to help young people between the ages of 18 and 24 who lived in foster care or other residential placements pay for housing. And you reported on how this program is working out in Massachusetts, and you found that this program is seriously underutilized, right? So to get us started, real quick, just give us an overview of homelessness among young adults in the state, and more specifically, the portion of the population that are former foster kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's a tough number to nail down. A lot of people don't come sort of up to be counted until they go search for services. So there could be people that are couch surfing, staying with friends, that are kind of invisible. But the best guess is 18 to 24-year-olds in Massachusetts is probably 2,000 to 3,000 that are in homelessness right now. And of those, some of the advocacy groups I talked to said probably about half of them have some kind of history with the child welfare system. Either they were in foster care or they were um, in some kind of residential placement. So it's a, it's a pretty significant percentage of all young homeless adults that have that background. So with that in mind, tell us more about this program, this federal housing program that's uh, supposed to provide some vouchers to some of these folks. Yeah, it's pretty new. It came in uh, into existence in 2019. And the premise is that um, if they're referred to it through a housing authority, their local housing authority, and there are hundreds of those in Massachusetts, Housing and Urban Development will provide this voucher, and it covers most of the costs of three years of housing, more or less no no questions asked. And then if they participate in some financial management planning, that then additionally gets them potentially up to another two years of housing. So you could get up to five years of subsidized housing exclusively for this, this former foster youth population. So you could get up to five years of housing through this program. That sounds like a pretty big help. It is. Um, I mean, one of the things that goes along with having grown up in the foster system is some of these kids, they don't have much of a support system. Yeah. They don't have parents who they can turn to in their, you know, teens and 20s and say, you know what? I'm behind on rent. Can you help me out? I screwed up and I got in a car crash. Can you help me out? As I don't know about you, but I certainly did in my uh, my twenties and uh, you know college years. So without that that support system, you can fall into a pretty serious hole pretty fast. Yeah. So that that's the idea that this is a a group of kids or young people, I should say, who don't really have that safety net a stable family provides. Did you talk to anybody who actually received a voucher and found a place? I did. Yeah. I talked to one uh, young woman who I believe was 23 and she had been paying for her own place. She'd gotten some help from DCF. And what's DCF? Uh, Sorry, uh, the Department of Children and Families, the the child welfare agency in Massachusetts that sort of oversees the foster program. Okay. You can stay 
with DCF past 18 for a few years to continue getting support if you want to. So she, she was a foster kid since she was very young. I think she was, said she was seven when she first went into the system. She was working. She had her own apartment, but she was saying that her rent in North Attleboro was just getting out of control. She said it was just eating up all her money mm. and it kept increasing and her pay was not increasing. So as of this month, she started using one of these vouchers. She had been paying something like $1,600 a month in rent, maybe a little more than that. With the voucher, she's only paying about $400 a month. So it's a huge help for her. She's 23. And because she's just starting, she will be eligible for at least three years of support with this this uh, voucher. She said now she's able to save up. You know, She wants to buy a car, and that's something that's now realistic for her. So in her case, it was a huge help. But she, she ended up kind of hearing about this through the grapevine. It wasn't brought to her attention until I think she said her sister had heard about it. So that's another thing with this program. It's not super well-known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is that? Where are uh, state and federal officials failing in getting the message out there about this program? Well, the Child Welfare Agency, DCF, they'll say that it's the housing authority's responsibility to apply for these vouchers. That's that's correct. However, the housing authorities will say that they need referrals from child welfare to be able to know who to ask for vouchers for. So Mm -hmm. I think DCF said they had um, issued something like 77 referrals. I don't quite remember the time frame for that, but it's not a lot, not nearly as many as... They could be doing, considering the um, number of, of people that are in this situation. We're going to take a break, but we will be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. Thank you. 
And we're back with more from Jason Lachlan of the Boston Globe. So you reported that the federal government only issued 88 housing vouchers to the state since 2019. And all of those vouchers haven't even been used. Why is this program not used more? Well, you know, it's complicated. One of the reasons that's been brought up is that the application process that the the feds created is kind of convoluted. They need to apply for these vouchers for each person that needs one. So it's sort of a a on-demand service, which in one way is good because it makes it very flexible. And if someone comes to you and says, hey, I, I need housing, you can very quickly sort of go to the feds and say, we need one of these vouchers. But the problem is that some of these housing authorities are pretty small. They're not dealing with very large staffs. So that can become an onerous process for them. On top of that, there's a requirement that something like 90% of the vouchers issued must be used before they can get more vouchers. There are some workarounds there, but essentially it's it's harder to get more when there's unused vouchers. So all of this combines to make it a process where the housing authorities say, you know what, we have limited resources. Our resources are better spent applying for other grants, other vouchers, other programs. The downside of that is this very particular population is helped by this very particular voucher and it's not being used to its full potential. Yeah. Do you have a sense of why it's done that way? Because that all sounds like a hassle. Yeah. The person who was one of the architects of this said the idea was to make it flexible, to sort of have it be something that could be gotten on demand. This person kind of denies that it's a particularly complicated process. The housing authorities are saying it is. However, it is worth noting that some of the housing authorities I talked to, um, which included the Boston Housing Authority, what they've started doing is rather than sending in applications on a person-by-person basis, they wait till they have six to ten people that need housing, and then they send in a batch of these at once, which they said kind of streamlines the process. And more recently, Boston is actually the one place in the state that seems to be using these to their full potential. Mm. So that bundling process of these applications does seem to make things a little bit easier and is what some of the housing authorities are saying they're going to start doing going forward. Mm. Now, you've given us one success story. What did you hear from people who were having trouble getting a voucher? Yeah, there was a a 19-year-old I interviewed in the Worcester area who is kind of, unfortunately, the the worst case scenario for a foster kid as they age out of the system. She's been living on the street. It sounds like she has generally been able to find friends that she's been able to crash with, but she has literally been sleeping in a park at times. She mentioned sleeping in uh, bus stops. So she's she's doing it. She's on the street Mm. from time to time. And even her current living situation, I know she was at one point talking to me from a, uh, a closet because um, the people she was staying with, some of them uh, weren't supposed to know she was actually spending nights there. Mm. So she's almost kind of hiding in this home. It's, 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 you know, she's a kid. She's 19 years old. Yeah. And that's pretty awful to hear about. How does Massachusetts compare to other states uh, as it relates to the utilization of this federal program? These vouchers are are fairly underused nationally, which does sort of speak to the need to streamline the application process. And I should mention that HUD, which oversees this program, the um, Federal uh, Housing and Urban Development Office, they that organization itself has said, yeah, we need to make this easier to apply for. But 
Massachusetts is on the lower end of utilization of an overall underutilized program. You know, Jason, as you were talking about the young lady who's having a hard time getting the voucher, I wanted to ask you, are there any alternatives that she could use, right? But then I remembered Massachusetts is in the midst of a housing crisis and we're in the middle of a shelter crisis. So can you talk about how this federal housing program voucher and its underutilization, how it plays into the housing situation in Massachusetts right now? It it does. Um, There are other options for her. There are other types of housing uh, grants and voucher programs. She could go back to DCF and and seek support through that. So there are options. And actually, since the stories come out, I've had people reach out to me who said, hey, could you put me in touch with her? We could help her with, you know, this or that. So it's not like there's nothing else to help uh, people in this situation. Uh But I will say that part of the obstacle with the vouchers is that it can be very difficult to find an apartment in Massachusetts, both with availability and with the expense of an apartment. And you're dealing with a population of young adults. Going back to what I said earlier about some of them lacking life skills, and actually, I'm not sure how many life skills I had at 18 or 19 years old, or even 22 or 23, right. to go out and find my own apartment. I remember when I did it, I had my dad with me. He he got me my first place in Philly, in Old City. And if you don't have somebody to help you navigate that system, I could see it being very easy to get lost. So some of the um, housing authorities that I've talked to mentioned that they've been partnering with other organizations that help these folks out with apartment hunting, essentially, and negotiating with landlords and finding places that are that are open to taking these tenants. Mm-hmm. So, Jason, what are you looking out for in the future as it relates to this story? I think it is a subject I want to go back to. In a few months, what I might want to look at is referrals coming from the Child Welfare Agency. If they're referring more young adults to this program, I would want to look at the same data from housing authorities that I looked at this time around down the line and see if more housing authorities are participating in this, if the housing authorities that are participating are getting more vouchers, maybe see if they're doing that bundling approach that we mentioned earlier that Boston's been doing. That, I think, would be the big indicators of of how this program is being used. Understood. Well, Jason, thank you for bringing this story to our attention. Thank you so much for coming through to The Common. 100%, Daryl. Good talking to you, man. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. We're very responsive. (laughs) Anyways, I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.